Dr. Nimrod Mbili is an academic, a successful businessman who has a talent to simplify business and make it relevant beyond the boardroom. Catch Dr. Nimrod Mbili live and Beyond Governance Tuesdays at 6 p.m. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbili. Good evening to you all and good um, and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele. Once again, I'm pleased to be in your company on this glorious Tuesday evening. Um, in this show, as we as you know, we strive to push the envelope um, regarding governance and leadership by asking difficult questions and hopefully provide insight on how to address some of the very complex issues facing the country. Um, in this show, we never short of... Um, you know, intriguing or thought-provoking, you know, issues, um, of course, in the country, as it were. Um, thanks for uh, your feedback uh, we, we're getting from time to time. It's certainly at value, and tonight is no exception. If you missed the show last week, you're more than welcome to receive the podcast at www.highfm.com and show your views. Um, I also want to challenge you to weigh in on our tonight conversation via WhatsApp, voicemail, Twitter, or even email. Our SMS line is 34519. My email address is nimrod at chai.co.za. And Twitter handle is um, at chai.fm. Moving on swiftly, let me thank those who came before me, uh, for they have kept you quite busy over the past uh, hours or so. Um, let me thank Kathy, Paul Zanati, Mandy Vusi, uh, DJ What What or DJ Flow, my favorite dude. Uh, and Vusi, um, who I have not seen in a very long while. Uh, and of course, tonight I'm not flying solo. I have Tabo, who is the producer of the show, and uh, the regular contributor to this glorious show that I'm told that it is, or it has become, uh, who's other than um, Justice Ndaba from a Knowledge Anchor Group. On that note, Justice, good evening and welcome. Good evening, good doc. How are you? Thank you very much, sir. And on that note, Tabo, greetings are also extended to you, my good sir. How's it going? Thank you very much, sir. Um, tonight's conversation is really um, informed by the outcome of the conversation between Johan Rupert, Rupert and Given Curry. For those who don't know who Given Curry is, he's a founder of MSG Group in Africa and a chairperson of uh, Empire FM, which is a commercial radio station whose listenership is predominantly black uh, middle class. For those who don't know Johan Rupert, I really, you know, uh, struggle to find who doesn't know Robert for, for well for those who may not know him, Johan is the chairperson of the Swiss luxury goods firm Champagne Fiancé Richmond. I hope I'm pronouncing it well. Um, the company is best known for brands such as Kesias and Mont Blanc. So if you've got a, a watch or a pen or anything that um, is written Kesias or Mont Blanc, um, that product is owned by by you know Johan Rupert. Uh, and of course, um, you know, moving on safely, um, you know, um, Kevin Mukari annually organizes a leadership conversation. And last year, he had a conversation with the then president of the country, uh, Tabombeki. And this year, I, pre- I think it was on the 10th of December, he had a conversation with Jan Rupert. And the reason why I could not resist uh, bringing this topic, it is just it is because it has evoked so many emotions, some of which have merit, others do not have merit, and but I felt that it is important for me to make my two cents worth contribution on this very very um, important topic. 
And, and, and when you look at the conversation, which defined as the chairperson conversation, um, it mainly speaks around transformation issues. And Rupert was, you know, brought in to comment on various topic issues, issues including, the, you know, the country's economy, business, uh, business confidence, and, of course, land reform. So for someone who is worth $5.5 or $5.8 billion, um, one can't ignore what he says um, because he's definitely an opinion shaper. He's definitely an opinion maker. Whether we like it or not, it is what it is. <laughs> so tonight, really, I wanted to invite you, the listener, and anybody who is listening to to to... to <coughs> At least for me, share my thoughts um, as we debunk, you know, uh, probe uh, what is referred to as the chairman's conversation from from a leadership perspective. And besides, this show is grounded on leadership and management ethos. It will therefore be criminal for us not to reflect on these issues, not from a political paradigm point of view, but mainly from leadership and management because it has such profound implications on leadership in this country. Um, you know, I found it very intriguing that, um, you know, some of the conversation or, well, Rupert, as it were, uh, was labeled all sorts of things from being a racist, white monopoly capitalist and so on and so forth. I mean, um, and I felt compelled somehow just to weigh in and reflect on, on, on what I think as an ordinary South African on this very, very important topic. And of course, my colleagues at some point will join and, and I say his piece. But my, my point of departure on this issue, particularly when you listen to conversation, mainly in a black community, as it were, there are a lot of assumptions that we are making, you know. And I, I perhaps maybe it's my, my responsibility or my, my, my point, as it were, just to reflect a little bit on some of the assumptions, mainly around you know, black people, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that black people are not homogeneous, you know, we never were, will never be, both in terms of ideology, in terms of class, religion, we don't even hold the same view around what constitute um, regional integration, and there are those who are in favor of borderless, for them, when you look at the relationship between Lesotho, Botswana, Mozambique, and what have you, there are those who are of the view that, you know, these artificial boundaries need to be done away with. And there are those who said, look, well, we can't do that. You know, let us deal with our realities that we're now. And Zimbabweans, Mozambicans, Lesotho, Swaziland, they are autonomous in their own right. Therefore, we cannot integrate. So this is how vast and complex um, you know, African community as it were. So therefore, it can't be that, um, you know, some of assumptions are made um, around black people as a homogenous group, you know. So the same way that white people are. You know, we've got Africana, we've got English, we've got Jews, we've got Hindu, we've got all those kinds of groups. Mm. And and at the backdrop of the, at the backdrop of the, the constitution as it were, which entitled the Bill of Rights, section, I think, section 28 of the Bill of Rights, if I'm not mistaken, is very clear mm. in terms of um, the rights of individuals, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of association. All these kinds of, of issues are, are, are well enshrined. And I think my point that I'm trying to put forward is that 
when uh, Given Mukhari invited Johan Rupert to come through, um, he mainly wanted to, 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 to solicit his view um, as an entrepreneur, as an Africana, as a white person who represents a particular constituency. And I was quite astonished that, that the kind of you know, um, conversation that erupted, um, in my view, was not, was not fair, was not balanced. But be that as it may, let me just park that and say, from an African point of view, from a black South African point of view, what is it that we have that is working for us predominantly, which ordinarily by now ought to have gravitated to a greater height in terms of emancipating broadly um, Africans everywhere. We dominate the legislation. We have control of all the funding agencies in the land, your NEF, your IDC, your PIC. Those entities are managed and governed by black people. We have education, as it were. Thanks God, um, we have free education, not only at the primary level, but also at the high level. Of course, depending on the quantum of those you know, income groups. But be as it may, there is more traction or there's more uh, freedom uh, or, or space to have majority of blacks who are deserving to occupy you know, the higher education space. And we have, you know, a number of RTP houses that have been built for indigent uh, black people. Um, that's something that goes for us. We occupy, you know, a number of SOEs that are meant to generate income for the state so that the proceeds of those entities, um, you know, reinforces the economy as it were. Um, but what has happened to date? When you look at the likes of SABC, the likes of SAA, the likes of SA Express, the likes of Dinell. The list is endless. These entities to date have not generated revenue for the state. These entities are bleeding, coming to you know to government cap in hand year in, year out. In I'm trying to paint a picture that we there's so much that is happening for black people. Um and and, and for someone else, like Yuan Rupert, to reflect on these very issues, um, basically, you know, highlighting our own incompetence, we call him racist, and all manner of things, you know. So, what has, what has been the implications of all these things over the past 10 years or so? We have had the economy that has grown less than 2%. The rating agencies are breathing down our neck. You know, um, you know, we pretty much operating just below the junk, junk status, which means for us to borrow money, it's going to cost cost us quite a bit because of um, the, the, the how what the perception of the country is. The investor confidence is relatively low. Unemployment rate sitting at about 27 percent, which is exceptionally high by any measure. Um, the racial tensions are. Between you know between whites and black and other racial groups, Indian colors, it's very high at the moment, purely because we have not been able to grow the cake. But this is for me, and perhaps maybe most of most South Africans, it is an opportunity for leadership to assume the central position, insofar as 
understanding exactly what Mandela fought for around the Rainbow Nation um, and, and, and really building on that dream. The kind of you know, disparities that we're seeing to date are indication of the fact that the, the so-called Rainbow Nation is nothing but a fallacy. And that's for me, you know, this is where leadership is, comes into the picture. Ordinarily, you would want to see or hear um, the president of the country taking us into his, his confidence for that particular platform resonates so much with the general population of, of, you know, in terms of our strong and diverse views. And, and we have not really, you know, come to a point where, where, where we see some level of leadership uh, and, 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 and in terms of addressing that particular issue. Anyway, that's my that's my, my, my intro, rather long intro, but I felt that it is important just to just to set the scene and that when you look when you hear or look at the conversation that took place between Mukari and Yohan Ripet, you take it in context. That it can't be uh when there's so much happening, uh we not really do much about it as Africans, you know. Um, VBS would have been an African bank for that matter, would have been a shining example of what Africans can do and we run into the ground. Is it okay for us that entities such as those when we are when, when blacks are talking amongst each other, it is okay for us to refer as our own incompetence. But it is not okay for someone else from a different race to point our own incompetence on these issues. Yes, I understand there are a lot of transformational issues that are still lingering. That must be addressed. The land issue must still be addressed. Racial inequality, structural inequality, those must be addressed. It's, it, it's, it's a non-issue for now. The issue is what is it that most black people have in control and the extent to which we are managing, we are, we are being able to leverage on those kind of issues. And I think I've said my piece. My piece. <laughs> Justice, Welcome. Welcome to How, How are you? you? I'm all right. How are you? I believe you must have had a <laughs> <laughs> you had an opportunity. <laughs> you had an opportunity. I had to say my piece yeah, because it's important, to. you know, just to uh, create that kind of a platform. Uh, I'm sure you must have had an opportunity to listen to the conversation between Rupert and Mukari, um, and you've seen how Mukari responded via Sunday Times and all this conversation. Um, perhaps maybe my question would be your highlights of the conversation. Um, look, first of all, uh, Doc, thank you very much for the invitation. And my highlights for me, one, is that, um, well, let me first start by saying that the fact that for a change, a person like Mr. Rupert is invited so that we can be able to hear what he has to say. I don't think we've had um, too much of that, um, which for me, it was quite sad before. So for me, that opportunity to be able to engage, um, for me, was a positive to start with, you know, uh, uh, to, to be given a platform. I've, I've listened to him a couple of times when um, he gave uh, different talks overseas, uh, in particular, Sweden and 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 whenever he takes uh, the awards at the Financial Times, but those are outside the country. But um, there hasn't been an occasion before 
where he was given the similar platform. So for me, that was positive because we had stopped that as South Africans to to continue with the conversations, which is why, because we didn't do that, especially in the past 10 years, um, we drifted quite far apart, all of us. So the fact that there was a platform to express, uh, we might differ with what he had to say, but the fact that he was given the platform for me was a huge positive. And the other positive for me that <clears throat> you cannot deny is that in the beginning, at least, when he started the conversation, he, he was talking more about the personal experiences, you know, well, that he had as a child, um, you know, what his parents were before he, you know, they got rich because no one just get rich just like that. So all of that, I mean, you, you, you might differ with the guy. But if he's, uh, he's able to to express and, and share that personal side of himself, uh, in a situation like South Africa, uh, personal stories and personal storytelling um, is quite positive to a lot of youngsters, you know, because people see you and they see you from outside. And when they realize that whatever they're going through, especially a lot of the black youth that you mentioned, uh, a story like that one to say, look, my my mother and my father and, you know, you know I used to walk from school 10 kilometers. It can resonate to, 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 to youth across the color line. And for that, people, you know, for me personally, because I've always complained on this platform that, uh, we know we we have created a culture of instancy, of things people that want things that happen to quite quickly. But when you are able to relate to the fact that even a guy like Johan had to walk to school or his father at least ten fifteen kilometers, if you are a, a boy sitting in the Eastern Cape or in the Free State walking to school, not that that is okay, but you can relate to see that your circumstances cannot determine where you end up. So for that purpose, I, I thought it was it was quite key to, to listen to that kind of story. And uh, the, the part that I enjoyed most in the interview was when he was asked to say, if you were president for a day, what would you, uh, what are the key things that you would do? And he's listed about 10 things. And, and, and most of those 10 things, I thought they were quite powerful. If 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 maybe we can reflect on those, uh, Doc, because I mean, if if you look at uh, and I will go through them in detail later, but I mean, just to mention a few of them, I think he he, he emphasized the fact that in life, in South Africa or internationally, building network networks is critical, right? Meaning that. Um, there is a an acknowledgement that the as long as governance is upheld but uh, things happen because of networks in terms of as it were uh, in terms of ensuring that you you build integrity you are known for your integrity and people are able to come to you because of your name and and as a result that is quite key so for us that is a lesson to say look uh, uh, build a positive network um, and it's a learning for, for, for our country to say even people at that level, as long as I guess 
uh, there is nothing underhand that we're doing. So I thought that was positive. For me, the second thing that he mentioned, which resonated with me, he re-emphasized the issue that we, we've been talking about on this platform of improving education. So um, for me, I've always said, I mean, the answer in everything else is education. I mean, uh, myself, yourself, and some of our colleagues are an example of that, where a, a lot of us, um, our circumstances didn't determine where we ended up. And um, uh, so a lot of our problems, we've always said that, I mean, education uh, budget currently uh, receives quite much more than any other uh, project in is the, the is the largest, and by, yet by a stretch of imagination, yes. and and yet we haven't seen the the, the returns the, the returns on it. Slowly, I'm beginning to see them. I must say, but what I'm saying is that um, he mentioned that as a key issue, and we know that uh, with an improved education system, uh, it has the biggest impact to um, the, the 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 poorest of the poor in terms of improving their lives. So for me, that resonated quite. The third thing, the fourth thing that he stated was, he acknowledged that as business overall, obviously, is not at that platform. He wasn't talking on on behalf of business. He highlighted the fact that they had disengaged from uh, talking to government uh, for, especially in the last ten years, and 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 he he spoke a lot about um, how during the Mbeki era. Uh, the climate had been created that was conducive to investment, and yet invested, investment did not happen. And that's one thing that he actually said he regretted himself, that, look, when, when the climate was conducive, um, which was created in the big era, we should have invested quite much more. We would have had the biggest of impacts in terms of what was to follow in the next 10 years. So that was quite a big highlight for me to, to, to show that if you remember, um, in the prior years, uh, business uh, contributed a lot in engaging with government. Even in the previous uh, regime, um, you know, a lot of businesses uh, went to Zambia to meet the NC in exile <laughs> without approval of the current system, you know, of the, of the apartheid regime. And they went and because they understood the issue of engaging government. So I think for me that was the biggest highlight to say, look, um, you cannot really walk away from government, uh, even as business uh, in its entirety. You have to continue to engage and hear, you know, uh, uh, what programs that yourselves as business needs to feel, really follow and, 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 and contribute to the system. So, so he mentioned that. I didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm pointing out things that he said, and he mentioned the issue of, which for me is quite big to say. Um, whereas he is big business, but he acknowledges the fact that um, if we want to have the biggest of impact in terms of job growth, we have to grow the SME base quite, um, quite fast. Um, meaning that he recognized that big business in itself does not create just as many jobs as SMME are potentially. Uh, so if he was president, that would be his emphasis. So for me, uh, that's quite a big positive because 
I, 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 I acknowledge that. I, I see it around myself where small businesses, um, you know, a lot of these small businesses employ 10 to 20 people, um, and that saves a lot of uh, the burden on big capital. So, so that is a big point. Um, he also said, like, recognizing the fact that uh, on the issue of land, he said, for instance, um, he, he sees no peace unless the land issue is addressed. That is the biggest acknowledgement from, from, from the man, you know. So meaning that rather than all of us as South Africans um, hiding our head in the sand like an ostrich, we have to rise up like we are known as, as, as um, a nation that engages and, and really come and face this challenge head on. And how do we change it? How do we face it? Is by sitting around the table and expressing. Because the issue at the moment on the land is we haven't expressed uh, clearly what is it that uh, we are talking about. So for me, for him to recognize that, other than to simply stand on a mountain and say, look, I oppose this issue, was quite key because it recognizes that this issue is fundamental, is emotive in the country, and it has to be addressed. How is it going to be addressed? Is to take into account all those South Africans that <clears throat> have something to contribute to come and contribute to the solution, but recognizing that uh, unless we have inclusivity, we have no future. You know. So uh, that was a quite key. So if we deal with these things in this way. That in itself increases investor confidence, which is one point that he made. And then also, the last point, I think, in his list was that overall, uh, the trust deficit that exists between government, between business, really is a trust deficit that was allowed to, to grow, which it shouldn't have been. So meaning that we have lessons out. So for me, Analyzing his speech, those are the key components. Obviously, I have not as a long list, but I mean, my negatives for me was overall I found uh, many of the things that people rather are picking on. Um, you know, uh, 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 for instance, I didn't find, I can't judge whether he's racist or not, but let me say maybe the arrogance issue. I found that I wouldn't necessarily say it's arrogant. If I had money, probably you would be arrogant as well. But <laughs> more condescending than arrogant. You know what I mean? So, and especially when, <clears throat> I guess, given his age group, you would expect that there will be uh, those kind of patriarchal comments. I mean, with regards to women, <laughs> you know, remember what he said, with regards to uh, the tribalist references to the vendors, to the Shangans, to the Zulus, and so forth. You know, so uh, being in position of leadership like he is, surely he should be aware of. Uh, and this is not to be politically correct, but to know that I mean, uh, uh, you are being looked up as a leader, and as 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 such, there are certain things that <laughs> you must say and say in a certain way, especially in a constitutional democracy like South Africa. So for me, in, in the nutshell, uh, uh, that's my take. Thank you very much for that insight, um, Justice. Uh, perhaps maybe let's just go back and probe oh, yes. in one or two uh, critical issues that you have raised, which I, I completely agree with you. Firstly, 
the extent to which business had to disengage purely because the environment was not conducive. And and we've seen change in the current administration. Um, Senator Maposa, I mean, and a credit to him and his leadership, he has gone out of his way to embrace uh, business, uh, to embrace um, you know unions, to embrace civil society organization um, around the notion of inclusivity. Um, previously, we could not speak inclusivity with confidence, but now we're seeing some pockets of inclusivity under his leadership. Surely, we are in a way of turning around. Would you say, in your view, that um, business is more likely to engage um, as opposed to disengaging based on your experience to date? Look, uh, uh, thank you for the question. I think it is quite important. The For me, um, I will respond to it in this way. Um, given where we come from, at least in the last nine years, right, you would expect that the trust would not be there. And why is it not there? Is that in the period that we've just come from, we had a situation where our institutions, especially the key institutions, um, deteriorated. And, and that is the core of the trust deficit because, I mean, as business, you need to have confidence that, um, you know, um, your investments are secure or if there's, uh, uh, for instance, infringement of your rules, there's an institution you must approach. So uh, if you look at that, um, in particular, when you look at the security cluster, you look at the prosecution authorities, you look at the police and so on. Um, so that is what is the problem. But restoration of those with, for instance, their independence, um, their strengthening in terms of capacity, that in itself, once people begin to see that, and, and also dealing with, cor we know that corruption has been our number one enemy, which is why I guess the institutions were targeted. So if... Uh, without saying, trust me, if you just go and restore those institutions and address areas of concern around dealing decisively with corruption and uh, restoring capacity as institutions, the ability to be able to execute, the able, the, the ability to be able to, to deliver on their different mandates, including the state institutions. So that in itself, when you address it in full, tends to naturally restores the trust. I, I couldn't. <coughs> I couldn't agree with you more, Justice, on that point. But perhaps maybe before we get into our next session, um, um, this is what I want you to ponder, and we'll come back to this point. Mm. Um, and the extent to which, in your view, now that you know the key institutions, there's some level of trust which which is now emerging. You've made reference to police, you've made reference to NPA, uh, and and other security clusters. Uh, I want you to reflect on that and say to what extent will that. Uh, enhance in, investor confidence mm -hmm. and how will that trickle down um, to, to boost the economy as it were. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 927. It's amazing how time flies when you're especially having fun. For those who have just joined us, I'm in conversation with uh, Mr. Justice Ndaba, who is the director at Knowledge Incas Group. And we are probing, if not debunking, uh, the, 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 
conversation which took place last week between Kevin McCurry and Johan Rupert. Before we went to the break, um, you know, Justin made a very interesting point um, as he was as he made reference to one of the issues that you brought uh, to attention, as it were, um, that is uh, over the past ten years, business has, has disengaged. And I put it to him before we went to the break as to the current political atmosphere or environment, the extent to which, in his view, um, you know, is there a sufficient trust uh, and credibility built into the state to an extent to, to an extent that which um, we can see more and more business investing. Uh, Ndaba, let's come back uh, to that issue that you that you you were referring to. Mm. So, are, are we now comfortable? Uh, for me, it, I mean, it looks like a long haul. I mean, you know, trust. It takes a while mm. for trust to be built. Mm. Um, you know, trust is not just a question of. Um, you know, expressions. It's not about uh, media. It's not about you going to TV, newspapers. It's about actions. Um, actions which must be demonstrated by political will. The restoration of the likes of NPA, we've seen, we've got a new NPA boss. Um, she's She looks like she's oozing with confidence and um, eager to really, you know, uh, hold the big boys to account. But that remains to be seen. But But gradually, I think we gravitate towards that point. Uh, would that be enough for us uh, to restore, uh, you know, uh, investor confidence, or we need to do more? Okay, thanks, uh, Doc. Thank you very much. Um, look, can I just maybe um, provide you with maybe the uh, context by mentioning uh, one judicial system, police, public services in terms of Chapter Nine. Uh, institutions, SOEs, um, l- look at land, land administration, tax administrations, customs, public procurement, uh, the legislative environment, uh, media, which is uh, Chapter 4 institutions, Parliament. Now, those are quite a number of institutions that in our democracy we rely on. At this point, the full confidence has been uh, what we regard as our two areas where we we can say we have been fairly safe when you look at the judicial system and at least to a large extent the chapter uh, four, the media system. Because to a large extent, they have maintained the independence. However, the other ones, if you look uh, from the police in terms of the, when I say police, it's overall including the uh, prosecutorial uh, system, uh, the NP, which is where you said the NP, uh, NPA, uh, and then SOEs, the public services, Chapter 9 SOEs. Uh, when you look at um, the tax uh, administration, including customs. So where have they, that's, that's why I'm saying those, a lot of those institutions, one way or the other, the public view was that it had been corrupted, mm-hmm. or, which is what we, uh, it's been spoken about when the, 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 the loose word of capture. But let's talk about um, what we mean. We don't and, and shy away from capture or, or corruption, but just say they had been largely incapacitated. So if they had been largely incapacitated, it means all of them could not do their functions 
for the democracy to be able to, and as a result, the trust issue deteriorated as a result, you see. So for you to to regain that trust, you've got to go back to those institution, uh, institutions by one, uh, ensuring that they retain their independence to be able to function, uh, and then capacitated to be able to have enough competen- competency within that but, system. But, but here's my, my, my challenge, uh, <coughs> Justice. I hear you. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, building public confidence um, is required in those kind of institutions. There's no doubt about that. My only concern, in as much as all the South Africans are, uh, we're sitting with the unemployment rate that is hovering between, what, 25 to 28, mm. depending, on the defi- de- depending on your definition of unemployment. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the economy is growing at less than percent. Mm. Those are the things that must be done like yesterday. And, and we don't have the luxury of time uh, uh, for us to, to, to go and invest resources in correcting what ordinarily ought to have been corrected. But I, I get it. I get it. Mm. I get it. it. It's a long-term project. But perhaps maybe before, because we're running out of time, mm. I want us to spend a little bit of time on the, one of the issues that Rupert um, you know, um, made reference to, which you have alluded to, mm. i.e. the land question. In mm. fact, he, he, he referred to property that, in his view, um, he's not opposed uh, to redistribution of land, or he's not opposed to uh, the land question. He's not opposed to uh, uh, expropriation of land without compensation. Uh, and for me, it was quite revealing mm. that, remember, um, Johan Rupert is not only repre- representing himself. He represents a class. He represents a cohort of individuals, a community, of which I have a lot of respect for. The fact that he in principle agreed and acknowledged that South Africa cannot uh, 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 progress as it should without addressing the land question. For me, it was quite profound. And, and, and what's your take on that? My take is, 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 is this. There is no way, uh, which is probably uh, echoing his sentiments in the sense that he said, his statement was, he sees no peace unless the land question is addressed. So, but my issue really is that um, w- South Africans and ourselves have to realize that unless you cannot have a system that locks out at least 80% to 90% of the population to be able to participate in it. So whether it's the question, whether, whether it's the land, whether it's the economy, meaning that uh, all South Africans need to rally around that issue of inclusivity to say, um, you know, uh, yes, I'm a person, I'm alone, I've got this and that, um, but I have to acknowledge and participate and bring my resources, my own resources, either as an individual or as a group, to say how is it that we can assist to bring on board those that are excluded. That is as simple as that. So, meaning that it is the only way that will buy us peace. Because we know, have you seen the eyes of a youngster that when you're in a big house next to a shack, you can see in the eyes of that youngster, right? So you will never ever live in peace until you bring that youngster on board in terms of capacitating the same youngster. So even ourselves, the issue really for us is how do we transform the issue of ownership of land to be able to 
uh, allow uh, those that were excluded in the past to participate in the land reform pro- process. Same with the economy. How is it that we can assist those that were not part of the economic, at least to the core uh, of the economy participation, not the periphery or the, but the core of the economic participation? How do we include uh, especially the black majority in participation of that? Then you are talking. Then you are able to say we can be looking forward to trust across the 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 the. the, the the biggest fear of the population. My last point. Um, um, did you think your hundred was racist? Uh, personally, I don't think so. Uh, 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 I, 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 it's difficult to judge in the sense that um, those things are quite subjective. Uh, for me, it's difficult unless I, I, I talk to people around him or um, experience it myself from him. Can I be able to say that? But if he's saying his views, I think we should be able to say to to other South Africans, he has every right to say what he has to say. As long as, like I'm saying, you cannot in a constitutional democracy be condescending to the extent that, uh, you know, you, you, you are derogatory to the other South Africans, whether they uh, uh, that are not yourself or like you. But here's my point as, 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 as I'm, I'm closing. I hear you. Um, and based on the conversation that uh, took place then, from, from where I'm sitting, I could not detect any racism mm. or utterances. Yes, when you've got money, you can afford to, to, to be arrogant. You yeah. know, if you came across very arrogant, and, but arrogance and racism are two different things. Yeah. And this is the point that I'm trying to establish from, from, from those that have been talking about this issue, which I think it's misplaced uh, because yeah. I think we lost the point there because um, as you've correctly pointed out, when you bring someone into your space, you expect that person to express his views. Yeah. Uh, we, we are in a space where most white people cannot or are afraid to express exactly how they feel because they're going to be labeled racist. And it's not fair and it's not right mm. because we are losing the opportunity, you know, to engage, to engage mm. because we, we need more and more dialogues mm. and we need to confront issues for what they are, mm. lest we uh, fall, 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 fall as it were. On that note, I'm going to have to thank you and, <laughs> <laughs> and then leave you that uh, justice. Um, uh, lastly, on my part, as I'm, I'm, as I'm, as I'm you know, uh, going home, is that, look, in my mind, if you spend 90% talking about your neighbor and spending 10% talking about yourself and worry about the return on investment, you've got a problem. It is high time that we spend more time on constructive issues as opposed to destructive issues. And we can only make change and difference by focusing or our attention on the 90% of what is constructive. Until we meet again, it has been an absolute pleasure.